a voice over an electronic megaphone, acidic, distorted. Come out with your hands in view. The crowd immediately hushed. You are surrounded. There is nothing you can do. Release your hostage and come out now. Another silence. Gideon looked around. The attention of the crowd was riveted on the front door of the station. That, it seemed, was where things would play out. Your wife is here. She would like to speak to you. A buzz of fumbled static came through the sound system, and then the electronically magnified sound of a partial sob, grotesque and strange. <sighs> Melvin! Another choking sound. <sighs> Melvin! Gideon froze. That's my mother's voice, he thought. It was like a dream where nothing made sense. It wasn't real. Gideon put his hand on the door handle and opened it, stepping into the stifling heat. Melvin! A choking sound. Please, come out. Nobody's going to hurt you, I promise. Please, let the man go. The voice over the megaphone was harsh and alien, and yet unmistakably his mother. Gideon advanced through the clusters of police officers and army officers. No one paid him any attention. He made his way to the outer barricade, placed a hand on the rough, blue-painted wood. He stared in the direction of Arlington Hall, but could see nothing stirring in the placid façade or on the immediate grounds cleared of people. The building, shimmering in the heat, looked dead. Outside the leaves hung limply on the oak branches, the sky flat and cloudless, so pale it was almost white. Melvin, if you let the man go, they'll listen to you. More waiting silence. Then there was a sudden motion at the front door. A plump man in a suit Gideon didn't recognize came stumbling out. He looked around a moment, disoriented, then broke into a run toward the barricades, his thick legs churning. Four helmeted officers rushed out, guns drawn. They seized the man and hustled him back behind one of the vans. Gideon ducked under the barricade and moved forward through the groups of cops, the men with walkie-talkies, the men in uniform. Nobody noticed him. Nobody cared. All eyes were fixed on the front entrance to the building. And then a faint voice rang out from inside the doorway. There must be an investigation. It was his father's voice. Gideon paused, his heart in his throat. I demand an investigation. Twenty-six people died. A muffled, amplified fumbling, then a male voice boomed from the sound system. Dr. Crow, your concerns will be addressed, but you must come out now with your hands up. Do you understand? You must surrender now. You haven't listened, came the trembling voice. His father sounded frightened, almost like a child. People died and nothing was done. I want a promise. That is a promise. Gideon had reached the innermost barricade. The front of the building remained still, but
but he was now close enough to see the door standing half open. It was a dream. At any moment he would wake up. He felt dizzy from the heat, felt a taste in his mouth like copper. It was a nightmare, and yet it was real. And then Gideon saw the door swing inward, and the figure of his father appear in the black rectangle of the doorway. He seemed terribly small against the elegant façade of the building. He took a step forward, his hands held up, palms facing forward, his straight hair hung down over his forehead, his tie askew, his blue suit rumpled. That's far enough, came the voice. Stop! Melvin Crewe stopped, blinking in the bright sunlight. The shots rang out, so close together they sounded like firecrackers, and his father was abruptly punched back into the darkness of the door.